You're listening to DraftKings Network. Up there situation. Yeah, I did it. I bought Lila. I bought pastels and I did it the other day and it was not pastel at all. I was like, I tried a new brand and I'm sticking with mine. So this is the aftermath and the ends are. I like it actually though. Are you giving subliminal subliminal NHL picks with your hair color, Shane? (laughs) Maybe. Hello and welcome to Too Many Men. My name is Allison Lucan. We are so happy to have you back with us. Joining me as always is the globe trotting, creatively writing, beer drinking and loving and cat owning Sarah Sivian. Sarah, how are you? You know, those days where your makeup isn't going on right. It's like one degree too hot and you're, you're just sweating a little bit too much. That is how I'm feeling during the playoffs. I I think I'm fine. I'm enjoying the ride, but I am about to snap at any second. So watch out. (laughs) And of course we have the lusciously locked tequila loving comprehensive league analysis writing ever cheery and sunshine full. (laughs) Shayna Goldman. Shayna, say hi. Hi. This is how you get me to my effervescent self. <laughs> Hit the reset button. Boom. All right. We are so glad to have you guys here. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, this is, again, the NHL playoffs. So we want to be here with you for this crazy ride. And that takes us, with no further ado, to Sarah's favorite segment, a bit of news. Sarah, what do we have to tell the people before we get any further into our content? Folks, our bit of news today is actual news that I am very excited about. And with further, uh, Hold on. further are you saying ado- it's nor- not normally actual news? <laughs> <laughs> it is scrambling to find news, and we do not need to find news today because we are so excited, blessed, and humbled to announce we are joining Metal Arc Media and Lebetard and Friends Network. Folks, this is huge. We did it with your help. We are a big time podcast now. Look for us on their network, wherever you get your podcasts and their YouTube channel. Expect way more consistency from your favorite inconsistent besties, including some live playoff game watch alongs. That'll be fun. Like claws for a cause, anybody? And fun collabs with the rest of the Metal Art crew in the future. We'll have more on this later. Woo! <laughs> that, was, that was great. That was really great. And now that I said YouTube, I need to stop sitting like right in front of the camera. I just want to make sure you guys hear me. Sarah, that was impressive. You came up with that right on the fly. Good job. It's, it's Do it for the people. Deal. It's the real deal. But in all seriousness, Sarah, what to, just maybe take people on the journey and share with them, you know, what we're excited to, to do as part of this new collab. Yeah, we're mostly excited to be consistent more for you. We might have some shorter, more frequent podcasts to match our attention spans. We will be recording about three times a week and maybe have a special. I think I'm most excited for the watch alongs because remember we did cause for a cause and we watched some games together a few years ago in the pandemic haze. Um, You guys crack me up and I just remember having the best time on our Twitch stream. So we'll have some things like that, maybe a little more fancy. And how about I, I don't lose power 
during one of them right. and have to go back and forth until the Wi-Fi works. Yeah. Like let's hope there's no, what was it like a hurricane here or something or a tropical storm or something? And I had no power. Let's hope like the weather works with us this yeah. time. That's what <laughs> it's all about. Shane, what are you so excited about with this partnership? Everything. We're just going to be doing this and we're going to have fun doing it. And that's awesome. Like this is, we are, as the great Sarah Sivian said, we're taking any negative energy we have and turning it into good energy here. And now we're going to be doing it all the time. Awesome. Awesome. Yes. And so people keep an eye out. Like Sarah said, we'll be posting more frequently, maybe posting in different ways. And if our feed updates, we'll be sure to let you know, but watch for that spicy, spicy content coming out just as you've come to know and love. And gosh, you may actually get it when you ask for it now. Who knew? It's <laughs> yeah, crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. Well, that's our awesome bit of news. Um, we have, of course, some hockey related bit of news before we move into our next segment. And that is that yesterday in the category of things no one saw coming, Lou Lamorello fired Barry Trotz. Say I if you were shocked. I. 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 Yes. So were you shocked that it happened or were you shocked because you don't think Trotz deserved it? Yes. <laughs> it's like a greeting card that cry, don't cry because it happened. Don't cry because whatever it was. I mean, it's a good question though. Like, are you surprised Lula Amarillo made an aggressive move because I sure as shit am? Or are you surprised <laughs> that like they looked at it and went, we have to move in a different direction? Cause I see both sides to that one, at least. I get looking at this season and thinking the Islanders failed, but I do really think it had a lot to do with the arena being built and the road trip to start the season that just got them off on such a bad foot. And Lou said he was doing it because he thought they needed a new voice in the room. And then Lou said, did I consult with anyone on this decision? The answer is no. This is a real quote, folks. The answer is no. Did I speak to the players on this decision? No, I would never even consider thinking of anything like that. So how does he know they need a new voice? Well, he knows that, everything. That's how he handles it. But Blue. here's the thing that like some people in the media are theorizing that this is it's not that he spoke to people. Right. Because this is Lou, who never shares a detail about anything, but that this came out of feedback from exit interviews. So it's indirectly from the players, regardless. My thing, though, is maybe the players did say something. But for all the reasons the season was crazy, sometimes you have to receive feedback in the framework of how it was given to like these players just went through a shit year. Like Islander and I, the, the Islanders fans and writers I follow who are really close to the organization, no one seems to think this is a good idea. And those people follow it much more closely yeah. than I do. And so that is what gives me pause about this. I think that, so I'm more shocked that Lamorello actually fired him because he does not do big, splashy, aggressive moves a lot of the time. And I think the best thing Lou Lamorello did as general manager of the Islanders out of every single thing he did is hiring Barry Trotz because Barry Trotz filled out his staff and, um, and, you know, brought in the best goalie coach that, you know, was available and everything like that. There was a lot of good that he did with that. And there's a lot of moves that he did that were not so good actually on the ice, but the knock against Trotz, the one in fairness, the one knock against Trotz is the team's offense because when he was hired, this was a team that was all offense, absolutely no defense. And he changed that, but it does get to a point. You see like when a coach takes over, there's that year of two styles blending. That's really good. And then you see that defensive style take over and players like Anders Lee and Matt Barzell and 
you know, you can make the argument Eberly before, you know, he was left open in the expansion draft for nothing, which is a whole nother conversation, but you know, or Wallstrom's development. And I know it's easy to point to Sorokin's development, but guess what? You have a goalie coach who handles that. And Mitch Korn's the director of their goaltending and Dobson's growth, but he also was stapled to Chara and did get scratched earlier in the year too. So like, I think with trots, the blind spots are the offense and the player development. And you could look at it and say, now you need a coach that'll take them, you know, up a notch offensively while still maintaining that defensive structure. So for those reasons, I think, yes, that makes sense. But then you look at losing Devin Taves, not replacing him, Nick Letty, not replacing him, Jordan Everly, not replacing him. And you go, well, who's more in the wrong, the person who built the roster or not. And the answer is very clear, the roster builder, but like if they think they can bring in someone better to work with the offense, what they've built on, maybe it's the right move. But I think so. Where do we right? Like it's it's you do with what like you can't bake a cake if you don't have eggs. Like, but you could inspiration on us. (laughs) That's for the subscribers. (laughs) (laughs) Um, where do we think he's going to end up, and where do we want him to end up? Two different questions. Um, I think Winnipeg is a great landing spot for him because that is a team with a ton of offensive talent. And some terrible, terrible defense. You look at Kyle Connor, Mark Shifley, they're disaster defensively that if any coach can protect Hellenbuck and make it that he doesn't have to be perfect, which we know he can be, and maximize it, I think that's a good team that needs a coach to set them in the right direction. Where would I want him to go? There is something to the idea of Peter DeBoer going to the Islanders because Lamorello likes to stick within the group of people he knows, and then Trotz going to Vegas, even though I'm not I don't know if it's like the perfect match, but I think that would be funny to see the swap. I think he is going to go to the Flyers because I keep Ooh. seeing the bu- the buzz around that. And I think I want him to go to Detroit. I just think I'd love to see him work with kind of a younger team and see where that's at. I think he's good with younger defensively sound guys. And I know uh, they've got a few younger talents there so i'd be interested if lane lambert and him split up though because everyone's looking at lambert to be a head coach soon and he should be he's done very well with forwards and working with their defense and um penalty killing so if they Mm -hmm. split up two and went to two separate teams i'd be really really interested to see how they handle like life without each other because they've been a pair in nashville and in washington and with the islanders well do we subscribe to the theory that this is lou's attempt to keep lane lambert in a counterattack against Stevie Eiserman hiring him in Detroit. Absolutely possible. Absolutely possible. Game of Thrones, like, baby, let's go. That would be something. And then he doesn't have to go find someone new. It's someone he already knows. So it fits in the Lou Lamorello bubble, who, as you can tell, I don't think is a very good general manager. I don't care about his 10-year length. <laughs> Our <All> column. Right. <laughs> My column. Colon. All right. Well, let's move on to everybody's favorite segment, not just Sarah's. And that is our shit list. Uh, My favorite. If you partake of the social media scene that is hockey Twitter, which you should do do so with discernment. um, Yesterday, the NHL website decided not only to publish and still has published, but also wildly promote an article on Evander Kane being a quote big part of why we're at where we why we're at where we're at jesus christ there we go i'll give you a sample tweet the one i quote tweeted was quote evander kane had no doubt about his ability to help the edmonton oilers 
when he signed a one-year contract with them as a free agent January 27th. His play is answering any questions anyone else had, end quote. Sarah, would you like to bring us up to speed with why this might be a problematic way to promote such an article and such a player? Uh, Yeah, where do we begin? The vaccination card that was fake, the domestic abuse allegations where, okay, he is currently living, has full custody of his daughter. So I will give him that. And we have to be very sensitive around that for sure. Cause we don't know what happened and the gamble. Yeah. The gambling um, controversy surrounding him. I, I think it's fair to say his on ice play has been good in the playoffs, but I don't think it's like we're itching to have a redemption tour every time a player does well on the ice that has done problematic off ice things. And we do not, do we know we don't have to do that? We don't have to. And I think we have to be extra careful of our wording in situations like this. It's answered any questions. I have a few more questions about him. I, you could have added on the ice and that would have made more sense. I don't know. And we're not trying to be soft. We're not trying to be pedantic, but these things do matter how we, how we talk about them. And it looks like from that tweet, which was deleted for a reason, it looks like from that tweet, they're absolving him of what he has been through the mud in, in the recent years. Well, and I find it very interesting. Like, I find it quite frustrating that, okay, you delete the tweet, but the story still stands as well. with this being their lead with this being the thrust of their story and I'm with you like if you this if you're a league particularly a league site you need to reflect the principles the morality and the standards of what your league is all about and to your point Sarah if you're going to say oh you're good at hockey okay you're fine there's everything's good all that stuff doesn't matter which is a trend or has been a trend in this league and has resulted in some absolutely horrific results. For example, Chicago. Um, I I think it's just, it's very tone deaf for where our world is at today, not just the hockey world. Can I counter that by having that article and saying you don't want it to reflect the league, like you're the, you know, league website, you just did reflect the league because the league let him back in and teams jumped to sign him and numerous teams were in on him. And it's very funny how anyone can be super critical and go, well, that wasn't the case or you don't know. This is a player that for a very long time with Buffalo, with Winnipeg, with San Jose has had controversy follow him because he has been in the wrong. This is not, oh, something was misconstrued. No, (laughs) there have been legitimate problems every step of the way and he has not redeemed himself. So we don't need to pretend. It's a very slippery slope when you talk about players who are good on the ice, but bad otherwise. It's the same shit with Patrick Kane. Do you remember the unfounded headline? I think it was Sports Illustrated, maybe. Um, You can sit here and talk about how good of a player he is. He is, sure. But you need to be very careful with how you do it. In certain circumstances, when you are a professional, you need to be sensitive about certain things, whether or not you feel that it bothers you or not. It's not about you. It's about people reading it. And you need to handle things delicately, especially when there's as much controversy as there is with Vander Kane. You can talk about what he's doing on the ice, but let's not act fucking surprised that he's playing well on the ice alongside uh, Connor McDavid when he's a talented player. Talented talent yeah. has never been a problem. We knew that. We yeah, knew look, that. No one's saying he's not a great player. Them. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think it's going to be very interesting, actually, because 
there was a story that came out today and today is Tuesday. At least I think so. I've lost track of all time and space. Um, there was yes, a story that- I had to think about it. <laughs> Thanks, Shana. Appreciate you. <laughs> I'm here to keep this all organized. That's my job. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. But there's a story that came out today from Adweek, which I thought was a really exciting story to read about how with the change in broadcast rights, there's been a real effort to bring in female viewership. And as diversity hopefully increases in the NHL hockey fandom space and viewership space, I think it's going to be harder and harder for some of these older narratives and older redemption loops to pass muster. And outdated people doing them. I'm being on my best behavior. A plus. No, but no, seriously, like I think it is nice to see the diversity when you watch an ESPN game, you might yeah. hear AJ Molesco calling it or Leah mm-hmm. Hextall or Cassie Campbell, Pascal. Like that's awesome to hear, not just in, you know, one specific role or on TNT, you know, Jennifer Botterill's between the benches and Jackie Redmond is, you know, working it too. And Anson Carter's on the panel. There's a lot more diversity. I, I love seeing Bryce Salvador involved on the national broadcast. Mm-hmm. He's done a great job too there's a much better effort than there ever was with national broadcasting. And I think that's great, but there are so many who will sit there and go, it doesn't matter. And they're the people who, why would it matter to, they have never faced the challenge in their life. So, you know, you know how like some of us climb uphill both ways in the snow with bricks on our feet, they're the people who just get to like, you know, luge down the hill every time. So that's great for you, but I don't fucking care. We have to be so much better to get to these places. And it's so evident in the coverage from Kevin Weeks and Emily Kaplan. And Kevin Weeks was in the league and now he's getting this opportunity. And it's Mm -hmm. like, he should have had this opportunity. Crushing it, by the way. I am going to be so upset when he goes to a team, rightfully so. Like it works in their front office because he has been, he's brought such a good life to this coverage. He's a natural. He has that passion where you're just so excited to watch him. And it's been a tough few years for everybody. And sometimes I haven't been as passionate as I used to about hockey. And it kind of makes me want to be better with my coverage again, when I see Kevin crushing it. And Emily just seems to ask the best questions on the bench with the Louis Deming spicy, whatever it is. She's been great. And so is he. Yeah. Yeah. So hats off to them. Not that I'm surprised. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, we are here to talk about hockey, so they tell us. That's the sport with which we cover. Allegedly. And, 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 and obsess. So we're going to do a quick, obviously there are eight series going on right now. So we're going to do just a kind of quick touch in here. We'll go series by series and just get some big thoughts. Um, again, we're going to be coming to you more frequently. So we'll be able to talk about these series as they go on. And maybe not today, but at the end of the round, we'll do some bigger debriefs into the teams that don't make it. Because we have one of those already, which takes us to our first series our only sweep of round one, the first, I believe, round one sweep since 2019 when the Columbus Blue Jackets swept the Tampa Bay Lightning. I think that's Didn't right. Colorado sweep last year? Didn't they Did back-to-back they? sweep? Did they? Possible. Did they sweep the Blues? We'll look that up. I don't Did remember. they sweep the Blues? I don't know. Yeah. I thought I saw a stat that said they had back-to-back sweeps, and I was like, oh, that's nice. And then my boyfriend chimed in and was like, yeah, they didn't do anything with them. I was like, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Anyway, we have a sweep, anyway. people. So we have a sweep. The first post-COVID sweep. How about that? Ish. There we go. Ish. Was this a sweep that anybody did not see coming? No. No. The Colorado I Avalanche sweep, sweep the non-Yeehaw Nashville Predators for <laughs> oh. Sarah. Kale, Kale McCarr had more points in one game than the Preds had at all. <laughs> 
So I think that shows the series there. And obviously without you say sorrows, it's hard. Okay. It's hard. I'm, I feel bad. Creed was there. Creed was there yesterday. I love and, Creed. And Creed is two and oh, or zero oh and two in the players are own two in games with Creed there. <laughs> it's Creed there. And they got eliminated both times. It's because they're not doing what they did during that Super Bowl halftime performance when they were, do you guys ever see that? Anyway, anyway, we'll show that on the broadcast because we're doing that with this podcast now. But the Creed did not take the Preds higher. In fact, they are They welcome them with arms wide open. (laughs) I like that. Back into the golf course, yeah. So (laughs) the Avs are doing exactly what everybody expected and what they should be doing. So good sign for them. Um, our boy, Peter Baugh got roasted by McKinnon. He was wearing a cowboy Style hat. Peter Baugh. <laughs> and Peter is asking him a question in the post game. Like, what are you guys thinking of? And Nathan was like, I was thinking about your hat. <laughs> so that was amazing. 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 But good vibes there. I think they're going to win the cup. I still do. Yeah. They were my pick also. Shana, your thoughts on the series that is no longer. I do feel bad for Connor Ingram because I did want to see him do well. I was very excited when he got the opportunity. Um, but I mean, Colorado is so dominant and Cal McCarr is incredible. You can look up and down that lineup and Nashville. I looked at this earlier. Uh, the leader in zone entries is Roman Yossi on most teams. It is not a defenseman. That's yeah. the forward job. You yeah. look at the top yeah. 50 in the league. There are two defensemen, Roman Yossi, who is top three and Dmitry Orlov, who is like 47th. And then Forsberg and Duchesne make the list and nobody else, which tells you literally everything you need to know if it's not Yossi or Duchesne or Forsberg. And Forsberg did not do much until that last game, unfortunately. And it's not happening for Nashville. Do we think it was a farewell lap? I don't I, You um, know what? He's one of the more intriguing ones to me. I really don't know what's going to go on there because he almost got traded. You know, they were like, yeah. do we do that? Like, he is such a good player that I would like to see him on a good team. And we've seen that be Nashville before but like he's gonna get paid and he deserves it yeah where do you want to see him go if not Nashville I, I hear the Pacific care. Northwest is really nice <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying okay yeah I want him to go to Seattle I just I would love to hear Allison's coverage yeah, on him come on. because she other than you is the only person that could accurately cover his analytics and I'd love to hear more about that so Cover his analytics. Yes. Okay. Next up, let's continue in the West since we're there. Uh, Oilers, Kings. Every other series as of right now is tied 2-2. Again, we're recording Tuesday night before the went Tuesday night games. Oilers, Kings. Shayna, are you surprised at the Kings chutzpah in holding the series even? No. Okay. But I'm impressed to see it. Like, it's something we talked about it. Like, we hoped we would see this because they can be super disruptive and you want to see what Philip Deneau can do and want to see what uh, Kopitar can do. And you want to see what this, you know, young blue line can do. And losing Arvidsson was a huge blow, but like they managed in the two games they played that they won. They were very good in the two games that they lost. I mean, it was like a disaster defensively, but like they're putting up shots, but this is a team that in the league at five on five in the regular season had the biggest difference between their actual goals scored and their expected goals. They just can't finish. And if they can, there's so much potential. And if you can rattle Mike Smith just a little bit more, this whole series can blow up in such a great chaotic way. And that's what I want to see happen. Like, I don't care who wins. I just want to see chaos. And I feel like this has a lot of potential for it. Yeah. And the point about how lopsided the wins and losses are, it's like, nobody knows basically what's going on at all in any series, except the Avs. So that's been kind of fun. 
I wouldn't want to be a fan of any team right now, but I had Kings in seven because I just think it's a bad match for the Oilers and yeah, just keep hammering Mike Smith and good things happen. (laughs) All right. Speaking of series that maybe are a little more even than we thought Dallas and Calgary, our favorite Yeehaw series coined as such by Sarah Sivian. So Sarah, your take on the two, two stat line on that series thus far. I thought the flames were better than this. I, that's all I got to say. I mean, I haven't watched closely because I'm watching the Bruins and the Canes, obviously, but that's my take on it. A one of the best saves I've seen from, um, Boston university's finest goalie in Dallas. Which is, um, Jake Cottinger. Yeah. Shana, take it away. Um, I think in game four, we saw the flames finally look like the team that we expected them to be. And this is, it's funny because that was originally a series. I'm like, Oh, if I could see an update, an upset. And Sarah was like, no LA. And I was like, Oh, you're right. But like, I'm looking at it when I saw game three of Dallas, I'm like, could this happen? Cause Calgary was outright bad. Like they were generating mm-hmm nothing they had one goal in three games and yes they played well defensively in game one but like if you're playing Dallas you just have to be good defensively against one line um Mm, right but like games two and three like Dallas was actually like really good on both ends then you look at Calgary and you're like I thought you were better than this so they showed a game four will they keep showing it I don't know but I do want to see the series go and I know everyone game two was probably the worst game I've ever watched we covered it for the daily thing and I am so glad it was not mine because uh it it was uh it was terrible I would not want to have to sit there and be like like have to watch it I knew I could walk away so I felt better did I still sit there yes but like I knew I could leave and like focus on other things but like game three is interesting so if they can have that pace I'm here for it but uh just no more of game two please (laughs) and then the series that is not only a 2-2 stat line but I think we're at a minus four defenseman for the Blues uh, blue line thus far, they seem to lose a defender every single game, is St. Louis, Minnesota. This one is kind of surprising to me. I don't know what to make of it. Uh, Shayna, your thoughts there, other than just defensemen seem to not be able to withstand the series at all. The Blues have a really good forward group, and they're in it because of that. And Billy Huso had a great first game, and I figured they would switch goaltenders do I think that's going to work out for them in the long run no but at least they have who to turn back to um it's an interesting series too because in some of the games you see like the results don't match the better team like it's just it's come down to goaltending a bit and you're like oh okay and like Minnesota does have Cam Talbot if they need as well so that makes it interesting um the last game was intriguing too because it was the Joel Erickson line teamed up against the Ryan O'Reilly line and O'Reilly did a really good job of shutting them down so I wonder how it goes. Like, you know, when you shift home, I said, we make a lot of matchups. Like sometimes they really are important because you have two shutdown lines on each side. So it'll be interesting to see like how it actually goes, but it's, it's an exciting series at least, but I hope the games are more like they were in game four, where it was a little more back and forth instead of five minutes in it's four, nothing. But um, yeah, if anyone wants to play defense for St. Louis, I mean, go off their defense sucked as it was, and it's just getting so much worse. So it's like, <laughs> sorry guys, that sucks. And, and that lopsided scoring, Sarah, is something you brought up even just across the playoffs yeah. as a total. What are you thinking of this specific series so far? Yeah, I do think Erickson Eck versus O'Reilly is one of the most fascinating matchups we have and one of the most underrated in this playoffs here, in this playoffs in general. That's my take on that. 
is so lopsided. It's just hard to even be definitive, which is pretty awesome. Like I, okay, we'll get to the Bruins Canes when we get to that. Well, that, that tees us up perfectly. That's where I was going to go next. Sarah, as our resident Canes expert and having taken in games in person to see the spectacle during gameplay and not during gameplay, take us through the Canes Bruins series through four games. Yeah, I've never had such lopsided opinions from game one and two to games three and four. Like, it just felt like a shorthanded goal um, by Coyle in game three really turned everything. And I, when you look at five on five, it's not that lopsided and the Canes still have a bit of an edge. But I just think it's even more concerning that the Bruins got in the Canes head with nine penalty, like the Canes took nine penalties and they were all pretty warranted penalties in game four. And you expected more of a big comeback effort from them. But at the same time, the series is even, I feel like I'm forgetting that because it's, you're, it's so, what have you done for me lately? When I, when you think about the playoffs, obviously, because you live and die by, certain plays in every game. And I'm just, it's a very exciting and fun thing because I'm sitting on the edge of my seat waiting this. I genuinely don't know what's going to happen tonight. And it feels like anything could happen and everyone's on their fifth string goalie. And I think that's another thing. That's probably half the reason why everything's been so up in the air and lopsided, but it's been hard to predict what's going to happen. Shana, there's been antics away from the play from a player you followed when he was with other teams, Sir D'Angelo. I use Sir loosely. Uh, what is your take on the series? And do you have anything to say on the antics of Tony D'Angelo away from play and how it's affecting the team? Okay. I think what Sarah said was really spot on because you do forget like two games ago, we were having a totally different conversation. Like look at the Canes aggressive, aggressive style of play. Look at how they prevent anyone from leaving the zone and they can keep playing the offensive zone and just cycle mm-hmm. away. Like, that's the Canes we expect to see. And, you know, they're supporting their goaltenders. And then two games later, you're like, what just happened? So I was a little surprised at how Boston was playing in the first two games. I'm not entirely surprised that they pulled it even because that is a very good team, a very good team. But like the Canes power play has been really tough and it was like rough at the end of the season. And now you see like this, the special teams, there's so, so many more penalties this year in the playoffs. I was not expecting that. We still have some big missed calls, but like, I was not expecting that. And now we're seeing just how important special teams are, which normally we're not talking about as much because why would we? No one gets a penalty ever. Um, As for Tony D'Angelo, he on the ice can be a very good player. Um, Do I think he's limited in what he can do? Yes, I don't think he's great defensively, but you're playing him alongside Jacob Slavin that you don't have to worry about that side of his game. He has incredible offensive talents. He can walk a blue line. He can set his teammates up. He can do all of that to help your team win. He is also a player who is very fiery and that can burn you if they can't keep it in check. You look at a player like Brad Marchand or Matthew Kachuk and when they can hone in on that and just be a pest, it works for them. And they're so good at getting players off their games. And in game four, they absolutely did that to D'Angelo. It kind of started in game three. And you look at it with him too. And it's like, can you rise to the occasion of the playoffs? Here's your chance. You had a good regular season. You helped the team get there. You were part of the effort to get there. That's fine. What can you do in the playoffs? We all know that it comes right for the off season. What can you do for me lately? And if he's not on his game for these next couple of games and it costs the hurricanes, that's going to cost him this off season. And it should like, it's the same shit. Everyone's going to talk about Nazim Kadri. Can he handle it when the pressure rises? So 
it's going to be a really big test for him to keep it in check. And I think Rod Brindamore is a great coach to do that and keep him in line, but he can't let Marshan get under his skin as tough as that may be. And Marshan fucking nailed him with what he was saying to talk shit. And I am all for that, but you need to know how to like take that energy and put it into your game and not let it throw you off your game. And he is not there yet. Oh, interesting. Take the energy, not let it throw you. That's the theme of today. They're circling back. Good whole picture easier said than done for <laughs> oh, every absolutely. human on earth <laughs> absolutely and if look brad marshan's sitting there talking shit about oh me i would want to throw my stick too but after yeah. i had a bad game i would be like i you know i understand that too like do you want to at least try to stop the goal from going in even if it counts of course that's that's what tony said yesterday that that's what he was trying to do and okay i get that but it does i know he's not thinking about what everybody else is thinking, but there is yeah. some added pressure and added eyes on him to keep his cool after he got some game misconducts this season too, when he, one of his objectives was to not do that. So you don't want Marchand looking at you and thinking, oh, I got in this guy's head now time to hammer the hammer it even more, you know? Yeah. And that was outright what cost him last year. If we go back before everything happened with Georgiev, he had a bad game, he had a bad play. He could not get over it and he lost his role in the power play as a result because he couldn't get past it. So here it is. You have to learn at some point. I know it's easier said than done. We all could learn it a little bit better, but guess what? I don't get paid a couple million dollars to go play hockey for a living. You do. And if you want to be paid more of it this summer, which if you can keep yourself in check, maybe you would earn, this is what you have to do. And you know, like you have the money and the resources to make sure that you can handle that too. Like, it's, it's a control thing for you. If you need, look, sports therapists and things like that too, to handle big moments. I think we should hear more about that from athletes, but guess what? You have the money, you have the resources. If you have something that you can't get past, then you should be figuring out how to do it to help yourself and help your team around you. Amen. Well, speaking of teams that have agitating players, there is a team still in the playoffs that is without their agitating player right now. And that is the Washington Capitals who are without Tom Wilson but they are still holding tight with, my gosh, why am I blanking, with the Panthers, the President's Cup Trophy winning Florida team. Um, And they were this close. I had like flashbacks to Kelly Stack in the Olympics with the missed empty net goal uh, before the Panthers were able to tie up the series with an overtime win yesterday. Shana, your thoughts on that series? Uh, The Panthers should be better. They're not creating offense in transition, which is their strength. You can look at it. Players like Barkov aren't doing it more, uh, consistently enough. And Duclair is barely doing it. It's players like Verhage, who is very good in the regular season. And Sam Bennett are still trying, but it's still not to the degree it should be. And when they do get those rush chances, they're scoring. I think they have a goal per game at five on five off the rush or at even strength. Um, power play hasn't been clicking. They switched back to the five forward unit. But it does show a couple things. Like, first of all, Claude I think, was a good addition at the deadline. I don't like the addition of Ben Schrod at the cost that they paid. And here they were, let's get grindier and heavier and more physical instead of the speed game that now that's what they're struggling with. They're not playing their speed game. And you can make the argument that they have to push back physically to clear the path to do it. But guess what? If you have players who can skate circles around the aging core of the Capitals, that's what you should be doing. And they're not. So it's like your goal away from being on the brink of elimination that's that's troublesome for you and it's going to reflect poorly when next year you can't put together this good of a team unless you find some really cheap players but i want to ask both of you what were your thoughts on the hathaway play do you go for the empty net in that situation and try to end the game right there because that's what i would do it's the aggressive play 
absolutely is there risk to it you have a defensive zone draw it back in your own end sure you also have your fourth line that you trust defensively to take the draw so you know or do you chip it out and hope that the panthers don't regroup and it bites you like which way is the way to go with this i would like to harken back to 2019 when of course the dinosaur john tortorella started telling his team to intentionally always go for the empty net goal even if it results in an icing because he worked with the columbus blue jackets head of analytics josh flynn and they found that analytically it is worth the risk to always go for the empty net goal that's right folks john tortorella pioneer of strategic thinking in the game of knife skates so there you go sarah your thoughts yeah, I would always go. I mean, <laughs> I'm not in the league for a reason, but I think I would always go for the empty net anyway. I feel like it's just in your nature to want to put the puck, pucks on net, bodies on net, as they say. Your thoughts on the series as a whole, Sarah? <laughs> I never thought, I mean, I agree with all of Shana's points 100%, but I also never thought it was going to be easy against the Caps. They're a battle-tested group, and the Panthers... I don't think they're bad at defense, but their strength was offense. And I, I just think that's kind of bad when you're going against a veteran group that can outplay you in the long game on that. I do I do think the Panthers should be doing better. Um, I asked Vincent Trocek a few weeks ago, actually, which team he'd least likely, least like to play against in the first round. And he said the Caps. So it's kind of one of those things where you don't really know until you've actually played these teams how much that veteran core that can still score um, and can play that heavy game is an undesirable matchup. So I do think the Panthers need to be better, but I don't think this was going to be as easy as advertised. Perfectly leading into our next series to recap, which is another veteran core going against a quote unquote offensive juggernaut. And the series is 2-2, like every other one, is Tampa Bay, Toronto, where the two times Stanley Cup winning Lightning are even against Toronto. And I forget who had the stat. It was all over Twitter. But Toronto is one and is it seven or eight in games after they've won a playoff game. So they cannot string two wins together in the postseason. Um, And everyone has a thought on that. I'm sure you're shocked to hear that in the world of Leafs Twitter. But Sarah, your thoughts on what's going on with Tampa Bay is the truth that the narrative is right, that Toronto is mentally weak or is something else going on in this series that you see? I don't think you can pin any narrative onto this series. I don't think I've ever seen anything like it. It's so unpredictable and I genuinely have no idea who's going to come out on top. It might be Leafs advantage because at this point they've been through a lot and they might as well just get through this first round with such unpredictable tendencies. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Shana. I thought in game one, like when we saw the Leafs power kill and it was outstanding and it was throughout most, most of the regular season, if they allowed goals, sometimes it was on their goaltenders. Like, you know, sometimes we look at penalty kills and we're like, oh, it must be the defense in front and the goalie has no support. Like the goalie's had support. So for this though, to see them playing at that level, breaking up the Tampa Bay power play that we know how dangerous it could be. And if you want to look at it, yes, it was a different team last year, but that top unit is mostly the same. We know how good they can be. That was really impressive. And then game two flipped the script. And I kind of thought it would be that way based on the end of the regular season, the way it went between these two teams. You can see the holes in Tampa's game at five on five. You can see the holes in Toronto's game. But the really interesting one for me is Looking at Austin Matthews, 
I want to see him thrive in the playoffs because I, I like to see a player who crushes it in the regular season, puts that on display when it counts, because otherwise you have narratives. And last game in particular, um, he got matched against the Kalorn, Point, and Sorelli line, I think, and against Victor Hedman. Shot attempts were 10-1 in Tampa Bay's favor when it was Victor Hedman against him. And I think the same with, or maybe it was 9-1 with Kalorn, um, that Tampa had that home ice. They used it to their advantage, obviously. And Sorelli is such a good shutdown center. So now you have home ice, Toronto. Like, now it's your move. You need to separate your best players as much as you can from Tampa's best and go for that power versus power matchup that sometimes Tampa likes to go with and it does work for them. But the last time they met in the regular season, it didn't, I'm sorry, two times ago, it didn't work for them. The Stamkos line versus Matthews, that's what I guess they have to be targeting. And I'm really interested to see how it goes and how they handle the defensemen they do have because they weren't a problem late in the regular season. And now they are, you know, it's, did you guys see uh, the Justin Hull question? God, honestly, as inappropriate worded as that, that's mm-hmm. a good, that's a good question. We're getting yeah. an answer that isn't about pucks and net. Everybody's thinking it. So yep. you just, you're freezing. Yeah. Well, you know, again, the, the bar is literally on the floor. Mm-hmm. That was rude. Uh, and for those who don't know, the question was, why would you put your worst defenseman out when the building is so loud? First of all, props to Tampa for being so loud. These Toronto media finally figuring it out that uh, Southern teams can be loud and have fans. It's not just, they, 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 they aren't it's, the and it's not the just world. because the Leafs were in the building. That's not yeah. how it affects the Leafs. It's how it affects the lightning. I do have to say, though, I need this series to be over, even though it's probably going to go the distance because I can't with the color matchup. There's it's too. Oh, my God. It is a lot. It it hurts my brain. It's too close. It's too close. Game one, I forgot who had home ice and it was like screwing with me. But also, like I told my dogs are against the series. Did I tell you guys about this? My dogs caught a squirrel in game one and And then the last game of bunny. Yep. Yeah. (laughs) So tonight, what does it mean? (laughs) What is it? They're just like, I sit down to watch the first period and they're like, actually. We're not watching something. this game. Yes. We're done. We hate this series. They have different picks on it too, so that might be why. There's right one on. more. There's one more series to go. Shayna, it's a team that you cover, so we'll let you have the first word on what many are saying they're surprised about. I'll be interested to hear if you are surprised, and that is the Rangers with the elite goaltending versus again an aging but star-studded core in the Pittsburgh Penguins. Your thoughts. I'm not surprised the Penguins are as good as they are offensively. I'm a little surprised at how the Rangers defense fell apart after they made improvements, but they are without Ryan Lindgren. They are without Barkley Goudreau and the replacements they have are not great. If, if Lindgren was healthy, I think Nemeth would not be playing and it would Justin Braun in his place. And I think that would be a pretty big difference. And I think Shesterkin should be better. Yes, but I don't think he has any support. The Crosby line is walking all over them. Malkin's line is walking all over them. And the Rangers are not testing Louis Domingue. You look at the last game and high ginger shot attempts were 20 to one. It was 15, nothing before Shesterkin left the game. And then it ended 20 to one. The entire middle of the ice was open. You're going against a third goaltender who I'm very sorry to Louis Domingue because I don't want to be like insulting, but I watch his game and I look at it. And I, if I was a fan of that team, I would be very, very nervous watching him in net because there are so many things that I'm like, are like, are you set right? You know, at times you're just like, can, can you handle like, a ton of pressure and I'm not sure how he would if he actually faced it but he isn't and um they're trying the Zabanajad matchup versus Crosby as much as they say they're not doing matchups they are the numbers tell you they are 
and it really is not working out because Sabanajad's struggling defensively and he's struggling offensively. So any hole that the Rangers we knew had and we did with their five-on-five game, especially offensively, is showing. Are the calls in their favor and stuff? No, I get it. It's tough. But guess what? Most of the game is played at five-on-five and they're getting completely outplayed. So when you're letting the Crosby line walk away with a 92% expected goals rate in the last game and the Crosby and Gensel and Rust are at the top of the league right now in scoring chances off the rush, off the cycle, controlled entries, passing to the slot, every category, guess what? You're doing something wrong. So I'm not entirely surprised that the Penguins are better offensively. I'm a little surprised at how lopsided it is. Your thoughts. Yeah, you you said it all. When Crosby's having his best playoff performance in recent years, it's tough to stop him, even tougher with the defensive issues that we all knew the Rangers had. It kind of just goes to show as important and as obsessed we all are with goaltending, there are other things that are also important. Like, yes, a good goaltender can win you a game or two, but they cannot win you a series. Indeed, indeed. All right, play continues. We know we're going to have at least, if I could do math quickly, four times, right? Two times seven, 14 more games in this round. I think that's right. Cause there have to be at least two more games in each series to get a winner and there's mm. seven series remaining math. Yes. Okay, 14 more games. We will keep coming back with our analysis and as teams leave, we'll go into more depth on, on those that have, have dearly departed. But we always end every episode of Too Many Men with our favorite game, fuck Mary kill and this week our fuck Mary kill is nhl playoff narratives 2022 edition here we go shana you're up first are you ready yes three number one sergey bobrovsky is bad in the playoffs number two dallas is boring that's the hockey team just to clarify and number three <laughs> the toronto maple leafs are mentally weak your picks I'm going to, I'm going to fuck Bob is bad because he has not been at his best. And I would like to see Spencer Knight play if they get to it. Like if they need relief in net, uh, they have it. So they should use it. I have a lot of questions about um, in-game adjustments for the Panthers. And because it's interesting, like uh, I know Allison, we were talking about this. We, we know how good the Panthers are. We know the systems put in place, but I'm kind of curious about, Andrew Burnett as a coach and you know how much he's making this team better versus he is just not I don't want to stay along for the ride but you know what I mean like so this is kind of like a good make or break opportunity for him to show it and I have questions about their adjustments but with Bob you make 10 million dollars you have the resources you can figure out what is wrong with your game when you get to the playoffs and maybe you should do it like there's some something to go off of there so I'll fuck it because there is some truth um I will marry the Leafs are mentally weak because I hate the takes flying around. I cannot stand the bullshit. Oh, this team doesn't know what it takes to win. But you know what? I just get so much energy from how much time and energy everybody else puts into it. Like it gives me life to see everybody scrambling around to figure out a narrative about the Leafs and you can't win a game like this and you can't win a series and it has everything affects the Leafs. And oh my God, look what the Kings did and the Oilers. And how does that affect the Leafs? Like just keep injecting it into my veins because there's going to be stories to go off for months. And, you know, I don't, there are some very good writers for the Leafs, but there are some that are so unhinged with their takes and so many fans that are so unhinged with their takes. So I just say, keep fucking going and I'll kill Dallas is boring because I mean, it's not a narrative. It's it, 
they have their moments. They know it. That's the kind of style they play, but there is potential there because they have a really good first line. So, you know, a little bit of team building and they won't be so boring. So we'll kill that. Like, who are you to say a team is boring? Some people like defense. I like defense. Sarah, your picks. Yeah, I am going to marry Bobrovsky's bad because I don't think he's been awful, but I do think if I was making $70 million, I'd try to be a little, I'd win, a, I'd steal a game, right? I guess that's not his fault, but I do think there's an understandable amount of pressure on him, especially when the offense is offensing. Um, I guess they aren't really doing that either though. So blame to go around here. They better win. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck. Leafs are mentally weak for the same reason. As much as we make fun of the Leafs and all of their narratives, it is, it makes the hockey world go round in, in our fourth fifth most popular sport in the america it gives us hope that we could start talking about this like everybody else talks about tom brady and discourse around the nfl right that's what this is their new england patriots so i have respect for that and i saw a really good tweet from one of the the few leafs people that i follow just a random twitter guy who said you know what we're not doing fucking heart surgery here you can I feel like they po- they police their own take so much because they have such a bad reputation. We can say whatever we want. It'll be okay. And then another Leafs fan saying, we're not going to, we can, like, everybody's having a meltdown. There's only so much we can do. We cannot force them to win or lose this game. We have no say. Everybody take a deep breath. And they're getting so, the, me- what's it called? Like, the, there's 17 layers to the discourse and there's 17 many internal things everybody's worrying about. I can't think of the exact word for this right now, but, um, it, oh, the meta. It's so meta and I love, I am here for it. And I am going to kill Dallas is boring because a lot of people say Dallas is boring because there's, or any small market team is boring because there's two reporters and they co- they can only cover so much of a narrative of a team. Like, and maybe we're talking about on the ice. I think saying defensive teams is boring is so 2008. And you're so 2000 late. Allison, take it away. (laughs) Okay, well, I'm going to kill Dallas is boring, but I'm going to kill it because it's not that they're boring, it's that they only have one good line, right? So it's not that they're boring. They just are are singularly faceted. They are not multifaceted. They are facet. They're not fast. They're, <laughs> They're a little fast. Facet. One facet. Super facet. One facet. That one facet was Jake Ottinger's save last night. Yes. 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 Exactly. Um, and I'm going to fuck the Leafs are mentally weak because that means that I can have fun with it, but I can leave it alone when it annoys me. I don't have to spend <laughs> all right. my time with it because like they win one game and like the Leafs fans are arguing with me about power kill and da 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 da. Oh they, my God. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Okay, hold on. Explain what happened with that, please. I, I don't, I don't have the mental energy. <laughs> who was that? I don't even know who that was. It was a random person saying they invented the term power kill. And when we're like, no, you're like, oh, yes, I did. I then, didn't know you did it. And then it was like, cool, where's Google? You're yeah, typing on the internet. If you're tweeting, you have internet access. And guess what? If you don't, for some reason, have Google, then go on fucking Twitter search it's, it's before you declare that you came up with the term. That and then they together. were like, oh, no one's reading articles about the Columbus Blue Jackets. I'm like, okay, that was four years ago. It's been written about many times since ah, then. anyway. 
Um, so I'm going to fuck them so I can leave them when they are no annoying me. Um, and I'm going to marry Bobrovsky is bad because I've literally been stuck with that narrative most of my professional career. <laughs> so old ball um, and chain. <laughs> so, I mean, I, and I, I think Sarah, you, you put it back. Like he, he should steal them a game. And I think that honestly, for the player, that's an important step for him because I do wonder how much, like when he doesn't have a great game, how much does that start to get in his head too? And so I'm just legitimately curious about that. I can't imagine it not, you know, you're yeah. on two different teams and it's the same issue. I don't, I don't All right, my friends, that brings us to the conclusion of this episode of Too Many Men podcast. We are so excited to be bringing you even more content. We are so excited to be joining Metal Arc Media and the Lebetard and Friends Network. We are so excited for just life in general. Shana is a shining light of optimism as always. That's me. Always. That Sarah, is me. Sarah is an engine of creativity. And we remind you to follow us on Twitter at two underscore much underscore man. Uh, check out our website at too many men podcast.com and find us where you listen to podcasts and we'll keep you tuned to where you can find us as we make this exciting jump onto a new network. Um, did I miss anything, my friends? We missed you last time. Well, here I am. You kept this very on track. Mm. This is like the wheels are. The wheels are back on the bus. <laughs> <laughs> the wheels are on the bus. The train is on the track. There you Sarah go. Sarah did a very good job hosting though. Yes, I don't... So it was one. I enjoyed the episode immensely. It was tremendous. It was tremendous. But we did miss you. Well, I missed you too, but we're here Just now. Just starting it. Starting it was hard without you. Like we didn't know what to do. We're like, do we count down? We have to do the countdown. Oh, well, I kept that. That was part ready. of the open. Remember, I kept all oh, that. Yeah. It was delightful. Yeah. All right, my friends, we appreciate you. We are so thankful that you're along with us for this fun podcast ride. And until we speak again, be good to each other. And we'll see you soon. We love you. Bye.